With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Well, hello, broads. Well, hello, broads. Oh my god, I know okay. you're. I know you're just thrilled for this. I'm episode. literally. I'm like jittery <laughs> because. Okay, here's the thing. We've been getting so many DMs over the past few months. You broads begging, begging us to do an Enneagram episode. And I know almost nothing about Enneagram stuff, so. I feel like everyone who's going to be listening is going to be in one of two camps. Either they're going to be Enneagram broads or <laughs> Enneagram newbie broads. Well, so. I can promise you this, that you will all become Enneagram broads after this episode. Awesome. I know personally for me, um, it really has over the past probably year, year and a half, really changed my life. Um, and so when you guys have been asking for us to get the perfect guest... I was digging. I, I'm like, I need to find the perfect fit. Just for, went all out. I, I need to find the perfect fit. And I found the perfect fit. And I am so excited to introduce to all of you, bro- you broads, uh, Abby, Abby Robbins. Hello. Hey. How's it going? <laughs> Welcome. Coming remote from Austin. Austin, Texas. That is right. Oh, great. Amazing. I love Austin. I was just there for the first time and I'm obsessed now. It's great. It's a wonderful city. It really is. But please don't move here. That's the thing that's <laughs> happening right now. Everyone's moving here. Well, same here in LA. So <laughs> you're like, please Perfect. Just keep it mellow here. Yeah. <laughs> Stay where yes. you're at. It's expensive in both of these places. So don't don't even think about moving it's, to yeah, LA true. or Austin. It's true. We're good. But, um, yeah. Well, can you give us a little bit of a bio about you? I've, I listen to yes. your podcast on the reg, but let's let our listeners cool. Uh, so my name is Abby Robbins. Um, I am a queer, non-binary Enneagram coach and yoga therapist. So um, I work with people one-on-one to help them discover their type and then kind of figure out what to do with it after that. So um, I use the tools of yoga, conscious movement, breath work, and meditation uh, to help people find a little bit more freedom from uh, these patterns that sometimes don't end up quite so helpful. Mm. Um, I live in Austin, Texas. Um, I have a partner and two daughters and we have nine animals, nine pets in our house. Holy full house. (laughs) Oh my God. Wait, what kind of animals? Yeah. So we have two dogs, three cats. I mean, this is how I do the math. Two Rats and two guinea pigs, so nine <laughs> animals. Oh it's my pretty, goodness! Uh, oh my gosh! I it's love pretty that. nuts. But um, yeah, wow. so we have a lot of fun at our house. That's oh awesome. My goodness. How old are your daughters? Uh, they are eight. Well, eight and a half and five and a half. So fun. So oh, great ages. Yeah, so fun. A blast up. Um, okay, yeah. so I'm thinking, especially for some of the Enneagram newbies, do you mind just giving us kind of like a basic rundown rundown of what the Enneagram yeah. is? Yes, I love this. I and love also this. So, what separates the Enneagram from maybe other 
like distinguishers like astrology or Myers-Briggs etc yeah Yeah. awesome so uh the Enneagram is um it's a personality typing system like the Myers-Briggs uh but it has um a couple different aspects and it has a little bit different flavor so the word Enneagram just means a nine pointed symbol. So it's that kind of like crazy symbol. I usually have one like close by that I can just pull up, but I don't think I do right now. Um, but it's the circle with a little triangle in it. And then it's got those other weird lines going through it. Um, and that symbol was originally taught as um, sacred geometry. It was a, a map for the way that energy unfolded in the universe. Like it is how um, energy manifests. That was like what people studied it for. Mm. Um, And eventually there was a psychoanalyst who did this kind of study and did this kind of work and realized that these points of energy around this symbol actually lined up with what his clients were dealing with, basically his clients' neuroses. Mm. And so he started to explore, he'd group people together. um, And this is essentially how the Enneagram of Personality was born about 60-ish years ago. Um, Since then, it's come to the United States and it's really blown up. But the real heart of it is the Enneagram dives deeper than just our like patterned behaviors, like the things that we do day in and day out. So something like the Myers-Briggs like tells us how we act. Um, But the Enneagram actually dives a little bit deeper and tells us what is it that's motivating those actions? Okay. So what what's kind of underneath? So your type is determined by what motivates you, not necessarily by what you look like or how you behave. Um, okay. And essentially, the Enneagram runs through all these things, and it's like, all right, here's your motivations. Here are the things you're really good at. Here are the things you're not so great at. Here's how you're going to run into problems in your life. Like, your, your patterns are this amazing gift and they are also your biggest curse. Like they're great in the right situations and totally awful in the wrong situations. But then, uh, kind of the collective wisdom around the Enneagram talks about how do we allow ourselves to be more than just our patterns? Mm. So how can we learn to not react in the same ways over and over and over again? And how can we learn how to choose something different when it's necessary. And that's kind of the, this whole idea of transformation and the Enneagram. Um, and that's one of the big things that really sets it apart from the Myers-Briggs or even astrology is that, yes, it tells you a lot about who you are and what you might look like and what you might do and how you might act. Um, but the whole premise is based on you have the, the, the opportunity to change and to grow. Um, and I think that's really one of its biggest selling points is it's, it's not just going to leave you stuck in one place. It's going to um, kind of give you the directions to um, someplace new. And kind of opens up the door for potential rather than yeah. just pinning you exactly where you are, maybe. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that was the thing with the Myers-Briggs test, personally, for me, that, like, I had my, you know, little, little, uh, uh, whatever you What's call yours? it. It's, uh, now, now I'm, like, so fixated on the Enneagram. It's, I, mine is INFJ. Oh, uh, okay. And it was kind of like, this is who you are, 
And then I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> These are the things that I struggle yeah. with. And, like, and now I'm luck. left in like my sad little hole of like, I guess this is who I am. Yeah. <laughs> but with the Enneagram, there was such a, like a light at the end of the tunnel and I could see yeah. ways that I could get healthier. And that's what, what has been so much of a big growth step for me. I know personally. Um, okay. I have a question. Actually, no, you answered this. You have many dogs. Yeah. (laughs) You have two dogs, right? Yeah. Okay. We have a pup too. He's a large mastiff. And let me tell you about this food that we discovered that has in such a short period of time been a game changer for his health and beautiful coat and overall happiness. It's the farmer's dog. Yeah. And it's funny because we might be adopting a dog right now too. Bring on the puppies. (laughs) Anyway, we care a lot. Yeah. More pets. Um, We care a lot about what goes onto our bodies and we should care about what goes into our pets' bodies as well because we love them and we want the best for them. And the farmer's dog is just that. It's simply the best. They use fresh, wholesome ingredients, gently cooked to meet USDA standards using vet design recipes. And we're talking meat and veggies that are human grade, a.k.a. the type of meat and veggies you would eat yourself. A diet of fresh food is linked to a wealth of health benefits for your pups, smoother coat, clearer skin, regulated weight, better poops, which is important. Trust me, especially if you got a big dog, (laughs) fresher breath and more balanced energy levels. And is also a great option for dogs dealing with the range of specific health issues from allergies to sensitive tummies. Uh, Like I mentioned before, as soon as our dog started eating the farmer's dog, all the allergy and skin issues that he was having went away. And we saw such a huge immediate difference. Uh, Boris feasts on it too. He loves it. And I don't blame him because it actually smells delicious (laughs) because it's real food and none of of that kibble business. Uh, And guess what? The farmer's dog has personalized delivery. Each meal that's delivered to you has your pup's name on it, which just makes my heart so happy. The farmer's dog is a smarter, healthier option, making it as simple as possible to give your dog a better diet. Start your your trial today go to farmersdog.com slash chatty and you'll save 50 percent off and get free shipping i'm about to do it today to get food for new doggy yes, that's you do. the farmersdog.com slash chatty for 50 percent off your trial with free shipping the farmersdog.com slash chatty so how do you go about finding out what your type is and then i'm also mm. confused because i've done i've done a little bit of surface level like take a test like are people tell me who they think i am whatever what have you um but then there's like wings and I, I'm like, yeah. And also like what happens if you take it and then it just like, doesn't really, we did this with my boyfriend the other day with the Enneagram actually. And like, as I was giving the rundown, we were both like, this isn't really you. And we, as we were reading through all the types, I was kind of like, I don't feel like any of these are really you. So (laughs) you're an anomaly. (laughs) So evasive personality. (laughs) Yeah. So when, uh, when people kind of ask me this question, you know, how do you find your type? Um, the thing about the Enneagram that I think makes it so incredibly powerful is that it's all based on self-report. So basically no one can tell you what your type is except for you. Mm. Um, and I, I think that this is super important because when it comes to basically tests are not super helpful. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not personally a big fan of tests. Um, I've heard one person say that even, you know, one of the like main teachers says that even the best tests are probably right about 60% of the time. Mm. So they're definitely not foolproof. Um, When people are asking me, how do you find your type? I say, read through some brief descriptions and see which ones kind of ping, you know, like which ones kind of make you go, oh, like perk up a little bit. Um, And maybe they make you perk up in a good way and maybe they make you perk up in like a bad way. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, that 
that kind of hurts a little bit. <laughs> um, and then, you know, then do some deeper reading around those and you kind of narrow it down and then read a little bit, you know, more about each one of those types and see which one resonates. Um, and if that doesn't work, then um, I recommend doing a typing interview. So mm. this is um, something that like I'm trained to do. And there are lots of other trained professionals who do this kind of work where it's essentially an hour long conversation or sometimes some teachers do hour and a half or two hour interviews where you just get to talk about yourself and explore yourself. And the interviewer is kind of trained to reflect back to you what's coming up and kind of help, um, present possible options. And often it's this self-reflection that really, um, allows people to, to find what really resonates for them. Got it. Um, I like to tell people, you know, if you're not figuring out your type right off the bat, it's not helpful to learn more about the Enneagram. It's helpful to learn more about yourself. Mm. Um, because when you're dealing with tests and that sort of thing, I mean, we're all trained that we want to take tests so that we get the right answer. And so a lot of times yeah. we will, we will click the buttons that we think we are or that we want to be, or that we think are the best. Um, and it takes a lot of self-observation and it takes a lot of self-understanding and self-control to sometimes press the, press the answer that is true for you mm -hmm. instead of the right what you answer. might think is the yeah. right answer. Yeah. yeah, I know my mom, my sweet, precious mother did that. So we, I had initially done it with the test, and I love what you're talking about because that just makes so much more sense to me. When I first took the test, it was like I was such a clear four. There wasn't even, you know, and I'm like, yes, I know. I feel this in every part of my being. But my precious yeah. mother <laughs> pressed all the buttons she thought she should and yeah. literally got the opposite of who she is. And I was like, yeah. maybe this isn't going to be the way that we're going to figure it out for you. <laughs> well, and then me, I actually, I think I went on the Enneagram Institute. I think that website. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I was looking at, um, it's kind of funny the way that I try to guess like my, I mean, I do know a little bit about it, but the way I've tried to guess my friends or other people is they give, um, this rundown of like a five at their best and like a five at their worst. And for me, it was mm -hmm. reading the numbers at their worst where I was kind of able to figure out yeah. what I was because yeah. it's like sometimes at our best, you could kind of like be a semblance of different numbers, you know, and be like, mm -hmm. well, I am very compassionate at my best or I'm very, you know, whatever at my best. And then, but at the worst, it was very clear to me which number I was. Cause I was like, that oh, definitely yeah. fits me when I'm starting to slip into my darker points and it's kind of been easier for me to pinpoint who like kind of what people are if you look at kind of the the, the yeah, worst manifestation a, yeah that's such a great point because like there's a tendency we all want to identify with the good parts of mm -hmm. all the types like yeah I love being this and I love being that um, but a lot of times you don't know what type you are until you really feel that resonance with like the shitty parts of your type, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. the parts of your type that kind of hurt that are like, Oh, I don't like that. I do that. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's where a lot of people really, that's where the journey starts for them is they're like, Oh, you know, I can, I could be this or I could be that. And then it's like, well, what, you know, which one of these like bad aspects makes you feel like, Oh, I'm a little exposed. Mm -hmm. I'm a little, um, 
out in the open. How did somebody know that I do that? That sort of feeling. Um, You know, it's like somebody reading your mail, like, oh, God, how did you? Like, that's kind of the feeling that most people have when they find their type. There are a few types who, like, don't have like they kind of like being who they are um, I definitely eights, felt eights that way in mine yeah I'm a three so okay, I, yeah. I was just like oh yeah I'm cool like very yeah I don't know but but also when I read mine I didn't really feel like upset when I read the worst parts of it, it I actually felt really seen in a good way because I was coming off yeah. the tail end of being on the bachelor which was like a very public like exposed like me being exposed to the public and a lot of attention. And so, you know, I think the negative parts were like, you know, wanting to sabotage other people to like, you know, be, you know, get attention, very like wanting to be the best, all these kind of things. And I was just like, Oh, I've struggled with a lot of this stuff coming off of being in the center of attention in a really big way. So it was kind of like, Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense for me. And like, this is, it was like a good thing or a good realization. That's awesome. And that's how you know you're ready for it. I mean, some people, my partner, when she found out her type, she's also a four. um, She, you know, I gave her the like big blue book, The Wisdom of the Enneagram by (laughs) Riso and Hudson. Here, check this out. Uh, And she read through it and she found her type. She knew who she was immediately. Yeah. But she was not ready for it. So she threw the book under the couch and it stayed there until she moved out of that apartment. (laughs) Like was just not ready for it. Yeah. And eventually, you know, her life settled down. And I mean, granted, it was probably my bad. I like showed it to her at a really bad time. (laughs) But then, you know, eventually she came around to it. And then it was like, oh, I can look at these kind of less than savory parts of myself and. I can have a little bit of compassion for them and I can, Mm -hmm. you know, I can, I can hold this a little bit better and that's how you know you're ready. What type are you? I'm an eight. An eight. Okay. An eight. Okay. That's so funny because my husband is an eight. So we got the eight, four thing going on. Yeah. It's a good call. I know. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) It's very good. I know. I've, I've talked to some people who are like, Ooh, that's a lot guys. I'm like, yeah, but in the best (laughs) way possible. (laughs) So I'm wondering, does Enneagram stuff correspond with any other like systems, like astrology? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah, well, uh, you know, there are going to be some people who are like, yeah, it totally does. And here's all the ways. Um, I haven't really found that to be the case, Um, at least not in any hard and fast, easy way. Like my my partner is um, learning a lot about astrology right now. So I'm gleaning a lot in, you know, just being around her. Um, And really, when you start to look deeper at astrology, like not just your sun sign, but like your whole chart and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. they're definitely like, I feel like my chart speaks a lot to my type, but my general, like if I were to pull up my horoscope, you totally. know, my yeah. Channing, Channing Nicholas horoscope, like it, it wouldn't, it would be like resonant, but it wouldn't necessarily speak to my type. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one thing I think is the Enneagram's gotten really, really popular. Everyone wants to like connect it to all these other things. And, um, I think honestly, the beauty of it is that it does stand alone really well. Um, You know, there are some people who are doing some work around the correlations between the Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs or the DISC or like these other um, really popular typing systems. Um, And what I've found is that it's not, um, 
it's not super helpful to be like, well, you know, I'm an ENFP. So that means I should be a seven, not an eight. What? Yeah. Um, you know, like for example, I don't, I don't know if that's actually true. I barely <laughs> remember what my letters mean. Um, but it's more about like the people who are doing a lot of really good work in both spaces. It's more about like, how do you use each one together? Like, how do you use them in conjunction uh, to create, you know, you this is usually in corporate environments, like to create the best team and mm. create good working dynamics and that sort of thing. So it's less about how are they correlated and more about, you know, how do they overlap and how can they support each other um, that I found, you know, that to be really like, meaningful got it okay so i feel like our listeners are probably going to want to get an overview of every oh, of every type are I you know down to dive yes. into the types yes okay great let's, let's do it, do it. <laughs> i actually i have some notes great um, beautiful let's 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 look at the notes here real quick um so basically like i said every every type has kind of their core motivation they have um they have what drives them to do what they do. And I'm just going to like, we're going to go like warp speed through the types so that we don't spend like the majority of the time, um, just talking about types. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and we'll start with just type one. We'll just go through, um, and, uh, you know, start at the beginning. Um, so ones, uh, they have this really strong motivation to be right or good. So everything that they do is centered around, you know, one of those two things they want to be right, or they, they want to be good. Um, and one of the beautiful things about the Enneagram in kind of going deeper than the motivation is you get, you know, two different ones who look very different because what they believe to be good or right is ah, very different. That makes sense. So like, so in, this so is in like, reference to the wings. No, just right? no, or two different types person. of ones. Oh, just like someone it. who might oh. think it's it'd be it's right to be this kind of person. The other oh, person might think okay. it's right to be this kind yeah. of person. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So like a Republican one is going to look very different than a Democrat. You know, a sure. Democrat. Wow. One. Sure. Like, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That, that's a really easy um, comparison for people to like understand. It's yeah. like both of them are working to be right and good, but the the kind of like moral structure that they're using is different. Yeah. Their environment um, might've been different. So maybe someone exactly. that grows up in yeah a Christian community in Kentucky might be different from someone who grows yeah. up in a liberal community in San Francisco. They're going to exactly. look like, they're going to look like polar opposite people. Yeah, yeah. But they're still the same type. And what's interesting is you'll start to hear the same kind of language. They'll carry themselves with similar mannerisms. Um, they'll have kind of this energy that is the same and that's their type structure. Um, their attention is focused on correcting errors. We sometimes call this type the reformer. So ones can see what's going wrong and they know how to fix it. Um, they deal most with anger. So these are like mm. really, um, they're really angry people, but kind of across the board, ones don't really believe that anger is okay. Yeah. Like anger is right. not a good thing. And so they don't express it outwardly. They turn it inwardly, which then looks like a really strong inner critic. So ones have kind of the loudest inner critic. And that's that's one of the ways that some people really know that they're a one is that they've got this voice in their head that never says anything nice. Always mm -hmm. telling always, they're not enough. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like we all have an inner critic. Like the, everybody right. has that. It's an important part of our you know, eager ego structure that allows us to move throughout the world and be safe. But 
the type one's inner critic is incredibly harsh mm. and um, it's a really it's a really um, difficult thing for them to work through. Yes. Yeah, so this uh, is funny because this is actually what my boyfriend tested as. Yeah. And when I was reading the little online description, I was like, this isn't you. But then now that you're saying that he's constantly dealing with this feeling of like, I'm not a successful enough business person. I'm not a good enough father. I'm not like a present yeah. enough partner and like all these kind of things. And I'm always being like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> you're, you're great. You're fine. Yeah. You know, like stop beating yourself over the head all the time. Like you look at what, look at your life, but it is something he deals with. So sorry to interrupt. Keep going. Yes. No, no, it's totally true. And what happens, you know, because they have this strong and kind of overbearing inner critic, um, they can sometimes come off as as harsh or overly critical of other people. Mm. Um, it's kind of like they're dealing with so much of it internally. It starts to seep out into their relationships and that sort of thing. And that's um, that's one of the spaces where ones have a lot of work to do in order mm. to um, be kinder to themselves, in order to be kinder to other people. Mm. Um, you know, that's a big piece of work for the ones. Um, but ones, as far as like their strength, these people, um, I admire them so deeply, like regardless of what, you know, political stance they have or ideological, whatever I admire ones because they, they know how to live out what they believe mm. probably better than anyone because it's just, it's their main driving factor. So they, they really, whatever it is that they believe, they will live it 100%. And, and I think that's such a valuable thing, especially in a culture that, you know, isn't necessarily the most, uh, doesn't necessarily value authenticity or, mm -hmm. um, you know, that real commitment to your belief system. Like, ones really are, are such a shining light in that, um, in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, twos. So twos are driven by the need to be helpful or like indispensable. So, um, we sometimes call twos like the mom friend. <laughs> yeah. They are, they are the people who are ready to step in at a moment's notice. They're kind of like your ride or die and they they want to help you before you even know that you need help. Um, they're super warm and affectionate. Um, and they're, they're very aware of what other people need. Um, twos deal with shame. Um, and you'll, you'll hear as we go through each of the types, um, three types deal with shame, three types deal with anger and three types deal with fear. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, I'm sure. But, Twos deal with shame and they feel this shame and sadness at feeling disconnected from the people around them. And the way that they try to overcome that shame is to kind of like earn their place by being helpful, by being needed. Um, so they, they want to be the person you go to for anything. And they, they try to work themselves into places where things wouldn't function without them. That's kind of how they get their sense of self-worth, um, is being indispensable. Yeah. Um, these are people who can sometimes be emotionally manipulative, like they're giving to get. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of times you can feel that like sometimes to be cared for by a two is a beautiful, like wonderful experience. And sometimes they're like helping isn't helpful. Um, <laughs> and that's yeah, where, yeah. that's where, you know, the, 
the twos really start to feel kind of the rub of yeah. their type. Yeah. Where it's like, ugh. I I um, uh, I just had a friend. I you're you're making me think of a friend in college who would always be the one that would. Um, volunteer to plan the party and the one that would like be the one to do everything and then but they would turn it around and then be like and you guys didn't do anything to help me and it's like what you just volunteered to do all of this like how are you gonna take it upon yourself and then call yourself the martyr and then that's yes kind of seems like that's probably the type that is that is definitely some type two stuff um and you know and you know like each type is going to have their stuff. Um, but twos are incredibly warm. They really are when they're helping from a clear place, from a place that's mm. not, um, you know, give to get that quid pro quo stuff. They really are incredibly empathetic people. Mm. And, and they know, um, they know how to sit with people and be compassionate with people. Um, Good friends. So, you know, as they do yeah. their work. Yeah. They're, they're really wonderful friends. Um, and they can, you know, it's like their stuff is like they're they're great friends till they're not. But then when they do their work, they something really opens up within them. They what and what that work looks like is they have to learn how to express their own needs. So they're ah. so focused on other people that they don't they don't like know what they need. Um, and choose. Uh, I think there's this perfect example. Like we all kind of assume that everyone else sees the world the same way we do. Of course. Like, yeah. We have this assumption. They don't. That, <laughs> yeah, right. Huh? <laughs> like we all have this assumption that everybody has the same tools we do and everybody's trying to get the same thing. And clearly we're just better at it and everyone else is stupid. Yes. Um, but for the two, it's really interesting because if you are assuming that every two assumes that everyone else has a two type structure and has these gifts, and, you know, a two is going to go out of their way to give people what they need. And, you know, they're tuned in and they're helping others. And then they look around and realize that not nobody's helping them. And it's like, if you're assuming that like, oh, you just know what I need and you're not giving it to me, that means that you're just an asshole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where this like resentment comes up, you know, that kind of martyr syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all do that in nine different ways. But I think, um, you know, it's particularly helpful if there are twos in your life to see what that emotional experience would be like to just assume that like people know what I need and they aren't giving it to me. Yeah. And that's not, obviously that's not true, but that's kind of what goes on in the mind of a two. And I think that, you know, those of us who aren't twos, but have twos in our lives can, can have a lot of compassion for that. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So threes. Three, Three. Becca. <laughs> Are you ready? Um, yeah. Are you ready? I'm See, that's the thing about a three. I love for someone to talk about me. I've been ready my whole life. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so threes are driven by this need to be successful and, and to achieve their goals. Um, th- these are types that are some kind, sometimes called the chameleons. And these are people who... Um, whatever group or structure they're in, they kind of want to, um, not just assimilate, like not just become part of the group, but they want to become the poster child embody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They want to embody all that it means to be a part of this specific subculture that they belong to. Um, you know, their attention is often focused on tasks, um, goals and their own accomplishments. Um, just like the twos, threes deal with this shame. 
um, you know, they have this sadness and this shame and they feel like profoundly disconnected from other people and the way that they're trying to kind of like (laughs) deal with this shame. Just, just touch my leg. Like that's you. I'm like, that's me. Okay. (laughs) And so the way that they're trying to deal with this shame and feel connected to people is to be successful. They're trying to like accomplish their way out of shame. They're trying Mm. to be the most accomplished, the most successful. Um, and then, then they'll feel like they can be connected to other people. Mm. Um, threes are really efficient people. They know how to get the job done. Um, they, they, you know, they're really get to it. They go for it. Um, they have this strong go forward energy. Um, but they often take very little time to really celebrate their own successes. Hmm which means that they can often hit some like serious burnout. You know, if they're not tuned into what they need and how to care for themselves, they're just, they're a locomotive that's going to just go right off a cliff. Yeah. I'm like a uh, yes girl until I'm not. And it'll be like, I'm, I'll be a yes girl for two months. And then like week nine will hit. And all of a sudden I'm like, I can't do any of this. <laughs> like I have yeah. to quit everything. Like no I got to go off the grid. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's so hard because essentially threes find their identity in what other people think of them. Like they are, they're always reading the room and kind of tuning in and adjusting slightly and shifting this way and shifting that way. And, and they believe that they are this persona that they put on, um, which means that they're not necessarily as in tune with what's going on internally. Mm. And, and often that's where the rub is for threes is that they have this conflict of, you know, who am I when no one else is in the room? And that's really this kind of big jumping off point for a threes growth is like, you know, can you be you, can you show up as all of who you are? no matter who who's in the audience yeah basically yeah uh, funny and enough that's, apparently the threes are actually the most common reality tv type so i've heard because that's not surprising you're <laughs> <laughs> like correct yeah it makes sense it makes mm-hmm. sense and and you know sometimes threes are called the movie star or you know the star etc and so you see um you see a lot of you know very successful people are obviously threes and there are obviously successful people in entertainment who aren't threes, but, um, it's very common, um, because that's what they want to do. They want to achieve fame. They want to achieve some level of recognition from either their peers or from, I mean, the world at large. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's what they're kind of driven for. But like we know in so many, like, vh1 behind the music etc <laughs> like fame is fleeting and it's not satisfying to it's them. gonna give you yeah. an and existential so, crisis yeah exactly <laughs> but that existential crisis is what leads the threes to really grow and develop who they are when there's not a camera on them mm-hmm. and that's where you know that's where things really get good for them because threes are some of the most genuine people when they learn how to kind of stop performing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's when you can stop performing and show up as who you really are in the moment that things really start to shift and change. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can also see how the Enneagram would be really, uh, helpful for parenting. Cause just as you're talking, you know, you said, um, three seek recognition. And I just know I can think of from childhood, all I wanted 
was to be recognized by my parents. My parents were wonderful parents, but like, I don't think my mom always knew how to make me feel recognized um, for well, like my achievements and what I've accomplished. It's something I still struggle with. And I'm just thinking if you like can figure out your child's type, it could really help hone in on what they need to feel fulfilled and like loved by you. Yeah. And, you know, I have a friend, uh, Katie Bills. She does some really wonderful work around the Enneagram and parenting over oh, at great. Any Awakening. So it's like E-N-N-E-A Awakening. Awakening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she she does wonderful stuff around the Enneagram and parenting. And um, it's interesting because you don't you don't type your kids, but you kind of work with some educated guests. Right. Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't say for sure what my girls types are, but, you know, my partner and I, we have an idea and we we work with that. And, you know, when it works and it's helpful, it's great. And then when it doesn't, we kind of have to go back to the drawing board because mm-hmm. children's personalities are still developing yes. and they're still figuring out who they are. Um, but you're right. It does kind of give you it like breaks things down into like here are nine different ways you could try and show your child that you love them, Mm -hmm. like whichever one they respond to most might be, you know, indicative of their type. Um, and maybe it's not, but if it resonates with them, then you're doing it right. You're Mm -hmm. parenting well, if you're showing your children that you love them. Yep. Um, yeah. Awesome. So moving on to type four. All right. Well, before, before we talk about me (laughs) (laughs) and and the other type fours, um, I can't wait to dive more into this. Um, and I also will so encourage, we're going to talk about Abby's podcast later and have you plug away, which I listen to frequently and I listen to it on my trusted phone, my trusted phone that keeps cracking because I'm a Butterfingers deluxe. Same. Like I drop my phone always carrying the groceries, holding my child, simply walking somehow. I don't know. I drop my phone and inevitably I crack it, but thank God that won't be an issue anymore. With Casetify. Casetify is the world's slimmest, most protective phone case. With tons of classic designs, stylish collabs, and the ability to create your own custom case, Casetify lets you keep your phone safe without sacrificing style. Their cases have a two-layer Chi-Tech material construction and have passed a drop test from a height of 6.2. Six feet. Holy smokes. Yeah. They <laughs> offer military grade phone protection, but still someone via Casetify, um, but still Casetify Magic's not bulky at all. Again, the world's slimmest, most protective phone case, and they really do just have the cutest cases. I just got one that has, I mean, it's kind of silly to describe, but it looks like it's a shipping, like. Yeah. Got the label It's very on it. hip. It's really cute. It's I, very I'm sexy. having difficulty describing it, but I love it. <laughs> Well, they have uh, custom cases as well that are amazing. You can print your initials or personal sayings on them. You could print your Enneagram number on there. Oh, yeah, there we uh, go. Yeah, with neon <laughs> or sequin or pressed flowers and more. It's endless. They also frequently collaborate with artists and designers. Past collaborations include Pokemon, Sarah Jessica Parker, DHL, Wonder Woman, St. Laurent, uh, ever heard of it, and the Rolling Stones. I promise there will be something on Case Defy's website that will complete your personal aesthetic i mean if it's good enough for kylie jenner or our lord and savior tyler cameron's queen Gigi hadid i'll take it oh for sure <laughs> uh, go to casetify.com slash chatty today to get 20 percent off your new favorite phone case that's casetify.com slash chatty for 20 percent off your casetify purchase 
Yes. <laughs> Speaking of our <laughs> Lord and Savior, Tyler Cameron, you know, Gigi is a boss. She's an impressive woman, and he's going to need an impressive gift for, I don't know, their first anniversary of their first romantic stare into each other's eyes. Oh, wow. Or combined walk down the runway. I don't know. Uh, but Tyler, you're in luck. We have the perfect gift idea that even Gigi will love. It's FabFitFun. FabFitFun's a women's lifestyle subscription box filled with full-size premium beauty, lifestyle, fitness, home and wellness products sent straight to your doorstep each season. All the seasonal must-haves, really. Uh, the gorgeous box retails for $49.99, but always, always has a value over $200. And the FabFitFun Fall Box is out in the absolute perfect way to not only treat yourself, but others as well. Um, I don't know about you, Broads, but there are a lot of people in my life that have B-Days around this time and the holidays are coming up. I always turn to the triple F box when I'm not sure what to get someone, and they always love it. It's truly the best gift. And with the Fall, back, fall Box, you can uh, give someone... I don't know, gorgeous charcuterie board, luxury hair repair cream, aromatherapy. It's a self-care moment. Yes. And listen, if you love the hashtag Broad Squad, let's support FabFitFun because they are Broad Squad members and they believe in this family and podcast and we love them. We love and them. more importantly, we love their box. I got a full-size straightener that Ugh. retails for like over $50 and that's just one thing in the box that's only $39.99 when you use our code. Um, so you can use coupon code chatty for $10 off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com that's coupon code chatty for $10 off your first box making it only $39 at fabfitfun.com All right. All right. Now let's get four. into it. Four. Yay. <laughs> Moving to the other side of the couch. Yes. Um, Awesome. So fours are are driven by this need to be unique or special in some way. Um, their attention is habitually drawn to things that are missing. And um, similar to the way the ones kind of see error, um, fours see what's missing. But fours don't necessarily have the drive to correct it. They want to just feel the longing for what's missing. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I find that really funny. <laughs> Well, I mean, you have a four sitting next to you, so I'm sure, sure you have some experience working with this. <laughs> there's always something missing. I also think missing. I'm a wing four, though, too. So yeah, yeah there's yeah. some of that. Yeah. Um, so fours, just like twos and threes, they deal mostly with sadness and shame. So again, they feel disconnected from other people and they feel the sadness of that. And in order to kind of cope with that, they have to see themselves as exceptional in some way, like the exception to what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, so they want to be seen as unique and special in order to kind of uh, justify why they have this sadness and why they feel so disconnected and misunderstood. Um, and so that creates this, you know, there's a lot of like push-pull dynamics with fours. Um, they're often you know, very deep people. Um, they can be seen as moody, um, but they're always very keenly aware of their emotional state. Um, that's kind of like front and center for them all the time. Um, they're really comfortable with like the darker emotions of life. Like they don't mind kind of being melancholic um, and, you know, longing for things. They can often get wrapped up in nostalgia, um, kind of longing for this better past, mm -hmm. um, these are things that, you know, it seems rather like brooding and that sort of thing. But forests can also be incredibly um, joyful and funny and exuberant. They, they really, 
they like the extremes of the emotional landscape. They want to be the most sad or deep or in pain, but then they want to be the most ecstatic and exuberant and um, full of life. These are people who are incredibly expressive and creative. Um, And and that doesn't necessarily just mean with like visual arts or things like that, Um, but they're creative in the way that they approach life. They just look at things differently. Um, They have you know, they often have trouble being present with the things that they have. You know, that sense of like always knowing what's missing um, means that they they tend to miss out on the good things that are right in front of them. Mm. Um, and this is often where a lot of fours kind of start their work is they're like, I know on some level I have this wonderful life, but all I can think about are the things that I don't have. And um, that's where a lot of fours start to their work of, um, you know, finding contentment within themselves. Um, I, I love fours. Um, I have some incredible fours in my life. Obviously my partner is one of them. Um, fours are deeply authentic. Um, there is like no bullshit with fours. Um, there is some, sometimes some games and some pushing and pulling if you're in a relationship with a four, but like, we don't always overall, make it easy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's definitely not an easy thing. Like you said, you had an eight, four yeah, relationship yeah. and, uh, yeah, the eight's got to work for it. Uh, <laughs> I will say. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but you know, they're always going to be completely honest with how they feel in the moment. And, you know, as somebody who also values honesty, as a type structure that values honesty, um, I think fours do a really wonderful job at that. Like that's something that's really, um, really cool about fours is that they're, you know, they love intensity and they love authenticity. Um, and yeah, I, I think they're, fours are great. I have a question. So what if you're like yes. relating to two, because as you're saying all this stuff about fours, funny enough, it's like, I am relating super hard to like a lot yeah. of the aspects of the four. So what, can you explain that? Or like, yeah. What yeah. if, what if our listeners are like mm-hmm. finding two types that they relate, maybe one a little more to like, I definitely relate more to the three, but as you're saying the four mm-hmm. stuff, I'm like, that's actually really, yeah, really describes a, a lot yeah, of a me. Lot of that yeah. 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 There's definitely, so you talked a little bit about wings. So Mm -hmm. wings are the numbers on either side of your number. So as a three, you could either have a two wing or a four wing. Definitely not a two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, You you can have either one that's a little more dominant, Um, but you have access to both kind Mm -hmm. of like you could work and develop your, your two wing, you know? Okay. Um, But if you're, I don't like to help people. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to work on that. Uh, but you know, if you re- relate really strongly to two numbers that are really, that are right next to each yeah. other, then it's likely that one is your core type and the other is your wing type. And that's kind okay. of like the energy that you have the most access to aside from your dominant type. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think of it as like your dominant type is your motivation. And a lot of times your wings kind of color your behavior. So I'm an eight with a seven wing. So like my you know core motivation is definitely eight like, but I tend to look more seven-ish most right. days. Got it. Okay. Right. Um, um, do people necessarily yeah. have a wing or not necessarily? Not necessarily. Okay. Like some people are just like, I'm a, you know, I'm a six wing six. Like this is just where I'm at. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm all six. They don't necessarily feel a resonance with um, one of their wings more than the other. Okay. Um, that often means that they're just, 
they're kind of balanced. Maybe they have equal access to both, or maybe they don't have very much access to either one of those. Mm, okay. Um, and you know, when you think about the Enneagram as energy, that starts to, it, it gets a little bit more fluid. So like maybe, yeah, I lean more over here at this time. And maybe sometimes I lean more over here. Yeah. It could um, depend where you're at in your life mm-hmm. and maybe your, your environmental exactly. factors, because maybe like what's yeah. going on with my career, my life is going to cause me to be more like a three. And then maybe exactly. in past years where I was just kind of like solid ju- chugging along doing my thing, I was much more like a four or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so um, some teachers say that you have one wing dominant, uh, in the first half of life and after midlife, it may switch, okay. um, or it might switch because of, you know, extreme trauma or mm. some like hardship that you faced. Um, there's lots of theories about the wings. Um, but I found in my work, like they're helpful to like figure out your type, but once you start really doing the work, they aren't, um, they really don't come up that much. Got it. Okay. So, Yeah. Okay. Just to you know, throw that out there for people. Okay. Um, so type five. So yes. we've now switched from what we call the heart triad with twos, threes, and fours and uh. moved to the head triad, which are five, six, and seven. Um, the ones I don't understand. <laughs> yes, I, say, I, don't right? I, very, I, say, I don't think I have any friends that are any of those numbers. Um, yeah. So fives are driven by the need to understand, so mm-hmm. to know things and to understand. Um, they're focused on gaining information and knowledge. They like being the expert on things, um, not to like lord it over people, but um, they just want to know. Fives, like all of the people in the head triad, are are dealing with fear and anxiety. And the way that fives deal with this you know, fear and anxiety is to, to try to understand everything about what's Mm. going on. Um, these are people who would much rather like sit back and observe and watch what's happening before they get involved themselves. Um, so this means that these people do a lot of thinking and don't do a lot of acting. Honestly, it can take them a really long time to get a project started. It can take them a really long time to kind of get things moving. But, um, once they do, they can be incredibly effective because they already know everything there is to know about what they're doing. Like they're not going to take the first step until they know what's going to happen at step 50. Mm. Um, these are people who are, um, very, very like well-prepared in that sense. Um, their fear is that, you know, that they're incompetent and Mm. that they're unprepared for what life is asking of them. Um, they're particularly averse to like emotional intrusion. Um, and so it can be hard to be in a relationship with five fives often have a hard time being in close intimate relationships because they like to have their autonomy. Mm. Um, they like to be self-sufficient. Um, and that's often what you hear from, you know, people who are in relationships with fives is that like, Oh, you just won't let me in. Mm -hmm. Um, and fives, they don't really want to let people in because that's when things get messy and emotions are unpredictable and you can't really, you know, they kind of relate to the world through their heads and, and that can be difficult for people who relate through their hearts to feel connected to them. Um, my father-in-law is a five and, and I adore uh, him and, but I always just want to, we arm bar each other because I'm always like, let me in there. I'm going to break you down (laughs) one day when I get into the emotions. And he's like, Nope, can't, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah. And it's, and like you said, every once in a while when it does happen, it's a flood and he's got to then kind of shut it down again because it's, Mm -hmm. they start rolling. 
Yeah. And I think what's really wonderful about fives, like one of the things I really love about fives is that when they do, you know, choose to be in a relationship or, you know, whether it's a friendship or an intimate relationship or, um, you know, whatever it is, they really come to that relationship without an agenda. Mm. Like fives are like, they're just happy to be with that person. And, Mm. you know, they, if they've taken the step to be with that person, they've really thought it through and like they're there. Yeah. Like they're not trying to, like they're not trying to change them. Right. No, never. Because fives don't want you to do that to them. They're (laughs) like, you know, like I'm going to give you your space. You get to be your whole person. And I expect the same from you so funny you know, we, that's really we always talk about bachelor people that's what we do a recap so as we're doing these types i'm like thinking of bachelor people that we did i'm like that is so dean that is so dean we you just do need to let people in but you know what i mean as she's saying this i'm like categorizing people on the yeah. show but that would be so fun <laughs> anyway yeah. just make judgment yeah. calls on everybody's type <laughs> totally awesome all right so type six moving right along trying to make sure we power through these fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so sixes are driven by this need to be secure. They're looking for security and for certainty. Um, sixes are often the most outwardly anxious people. Like sixes often are easy to spot because they have kind of this um, amped up energy a lot of times that like. feels a little like static. Um, they, they have questioning minds, so they're always kind of like poking at things like, is this true? Is this real? What about this? Have you thought about that? Um, and again, they're dealing with fear, just like the fives. And what they're trying to how they're trying to manage their fear is to like be prepared. Um, so this often leads them to do like worst case scenario thinking, um, you know, like what is the worst possible thing that could go wrong and how can I prepare myself for that situation? Mm. Um, and they do that and then that situation never comes. And so they've spent a lot of energy preparing for things that have never happened. Oh, yeah. Or maybe sometimes there's a self-fulfilling prophecy even that, that that happens occasionally. Um, I have a good friend who's a six who, um, there was like some sort of leak in her house and literally her ceiling fell like oh, while no. she was in the house. and oh, like no. a nightmare it was amazing but it was amazing because she was like i've never been so calm in my entire life like i knew <laughs> she's exactly like i've always been do. ready for this <laughs> yes it's amazing so sixes are great to have in a crisis like because wow. they've already thought of it and they've already gone there it's like this is what they were made for they're like i know what to do and it's amazing. And so sometimes sixes get like the, you know, comment, like they're too negative. Like they, they're really good at poking holes in people's ideas. We call them mm. the devil's advocate sometimes. Mm. Um, and that can be really frustrating if you are just like ready to move forward with an idea. And then there's this person that kind of feels like they're pumping the brakes. Um, but they're, it, they're such a great part of a team because they really do make you stop to think about, well, what, what are these situations? Like, these are things that we should consider, you know, Mm -hmm. what if this happens? Do we have a plan for that? Um, and obviously sometimes sixes do that to the point that it gets out of control, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, to the point that it's no longer helpful to them, but when in a team, if you know how to use that, um, to your advantage, it's so incredibly valuable. Sixes are like, yeah, sixes are so incredibly loyal. Like they are ride or die type of people. Like when they've got you in, you know, their community, they are like, you're, they're glued to you. 
Um, and so they really do make wonderful friends. Um, and they're people who will really support you and, and be there for you. And because they're, because they're looking for certainty and for this security, they kind of model that in their relationships by being loyal. Um, then it's really, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, these people really are, um, such a, a great example of that. Yeah. I got to get me a six neighbor. I got to get me a six business partner. Business partner? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Two, four, Just three. To, do our, to do our PR, you know, that kind of thing. And all of our crises. And all please. of our crises. Yeah. Please. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Now moving on to sevens. Um, so sevens are in the head center. They deal with fear, but they don't look afraid. Fives and sixes, you can see like, oh yeah, I can kind of see how you guys like are afraid of <laughs> stuff. But sevens, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But sevens, um, they're, they're afraid of being trapped or in pain. And so they're always geared towards freedom and not being in pain, which looks like having a lot of fun. Um, fun is a really big keyword for sevens. We call them the enthusiast or the adventurer or the epicure because they just like to try new things. They like to get out there and they, um, they like to have more of stuff. Um, you know, sevens get this like rap for being the life of the party. And there are still plenty of sevens who don't like to party, but they still want to always have more. Mm. Uh, my, my sister is, um, a seven and, you know, at first she didn't really resonate with it because she's not a party type person. Like right. she's a PhD in philosophy and neuroscience. Like she's wow. total brainiac. Um, but she, when I explained this part of it to her, she's like, oh, that's why my garden gets bigger every year. Like, <laughs> there's this need to have yeah. more every time. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of what's driving the seven is like, if they don't, they're, they're worried that they're not going to be taken care of. And so they want to have, they want to have more stuff so that they can kind of float to whatever is good in their day. Um, these are people that have trouble really sitting in the darker emotions or like li listening to people whine um, or complain about their life. Like sevens are positive all the time, you know, until they mm. start to really do their work when they can start to see, oh, I can be a little bit more nuanced in my emotional space. Mm. Um but sevens are definitely like they know how to reframe things to be positive. Um, I love sevens. Some of my closest friends are sevens, several of them actually. Um, and you know, they're always down for an adventure. They're always down to have fun. Um, and I'm lucky that the sevens I know have really done, have really done their work. And because of that, we've really developed these like beautifully deep and meaningful relationships. And, um, that's really kind of the work for sevens is to slow down enough to be able to experience this kind of like meaning that you can have with people when you slow down just enough to let everybody else mm -hmm. catch up. You know, they're, they're really blazing a trail moving ahead. Um, so yeah. And maybe they yeah. want more because they want, uh, a way out or like something to do in case like, yeah, I, I could kind of see that being the thing, you know, like yeah, so that they're definitely. not trapped in one place. They have more options to yeah. go somewhere else. Exactly. It's like if they go to your party, then they already have another party lined up just in case for yeah. when your party gets bored. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we sometimes have this view of sevens as they just kind of like flit across the surface of life. Um, and a lot of sevens do that their whole lives. Mm. Um, but the real like 
the ask of growth for sevens is to, you know, again, slow down and allow themselves to sink in to things a little bit deeper and see what's available to them there. Mm. Um, and when you watch a seven do that, it's, it's really fucking cool. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay, so we had to uh, lose our broad Becca for a hot minute. As you know, she's moving. So she came because she had to hear what Abby had to say for at least part of it. But now it's you and me. Let's keep diving in. I'm excited. All right, two more times. So type eight, this is the type that Mm. I identify most with. Near and dear. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I know this one so well. Uh, So eights are are driven to be strong. they don't, they don't like, um, things that are soft or weak or, um, small. They, they really want to experience their own power. Um, we've shifted from the head center, five, six, and seven into eight, eight, nine, and one are in the body center and types in this triad, they deal with anger. Um, AIDS can often be seen as aggressive and overbearing um, because they don't really have a problem with their anger. They're really good at just letting it, letting it out. Um, And so they're often seen as kind of the most angry type. But the beautiful thing about the way AIDS work with their anger is once they express it, you know, it might be kind of an explosion, but then it's done. Like there's no grudges. There's no lingering, um, there's nothing left to hold on to because they've already expressed it all. Um, and so AIDS come to anger and it's very clean for them. Um, they're deeply intolerant of injustice and they're like avid defenders of the underdog. So AIDS are like the people who will step up and support the people who can't necessarily support themselves. Um, AIDS are very powerful. They're, they can be very charismatic and they're kind of natural leaders. Um, but they're often seen as like emotionally insensitive um, and they can feel um, out of touch. You know, they can feel out of touch with other people and they feel out of touch with their own kind of more gentle and softer, like emotional world. Um, so work for us eights is really about getting in touch with our own vulnerability. Um, and similar to the seven, really learning how to slow down enough to connect with people from the heart. Um, eights have a lot of like trust issues. Like they don't, they kind of have this feeling like somebody's going to betray them. And so, um, for an eight to really slow down and allow enough space for a relationship to really flourish, um, it takes a lot of work. Um, it takes a lot of work to really show up in relationship in that way. And I'm sure that you've, you know, experienced that with, you know, your partner. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, He's, he's, um, definitely wired in that way where you like getting, getting him to slow down. It's like, there's that Mm. idea of the vulnerability to maybe a little, like you get, he knows if he slows down that all of a sudden he might get too attached to someone. And then that person could potentially hurt him in certain ways. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely, um, Again, we all kind of have these self-fulfilling prophecies, you know, if you keep somebody at a distance and you like, you don't let them in, you know, they're going to leave and then that's going to hurt. And then it's almost like, well, you know, now I'm hurt. Now I can't be in relationships because it hurt or, you know, et cetera. And, um, that's really what eights, um, have to work with is like slowing down and feeling what's happening in their own hearts. Um, but when eights do that work, they show up in the world and they can lead from that heart. And, and it's a really, uh, magical thing. Like some, some people say that mother Teresa was an eight, mm. uh, you know, she really, 
had this like very strong presence about her and nobody was going to stop her. But really what she was doing was so compassionate and she was, you know, living her life for other people. Um, and it was, you know, that's the kind of like picture you see of somebody who identifies as an eight and has really engaged in their work. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the kind of transformation that happens. I feel like Uh, so many of the eights in my life are just like very courageous people. Yeah. Very we courageous. really just kind of go forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, I sometimes don't call it courageous. I call it fear, fearless. Um, my dad like made the distinction one time. He's like, you're fearless. Yeah. Like things don't scare eights or we don't allow them to scare mm-hmm. us. <laughs> but, you know, I think courage really is in like knowing that you're afraid and doing it anyway. And eights just kind of like blow right past that most of the time got it got it and so that real courage happens when eights allow themselves to like open their heart and be vulnerable um and and move through the world in a in a way that's less guarded and less armored Mm. yeah are you what what wing or do you have a wing do you mind if i ask i'm a seven oh yeah you said you're a seven okay yeah you got a little bit of the yolo lifestyle still in there Yeah. And again, it's like that, that fast pace, right. Right. Um, you know, I'm a little bit, I've got a little bit more access to my head center and I can think and plan and want to move forward. And I like having fun and adventuring. Um, I don't have much of a nine wing, although I feel like I've developed it a lot over the last five or six years. Um, I got into yoga and so that's very much a nine thing and that really helped me to slow down. Yeah. Okay. So nines are driven by this need, um, for things to be peaceful and things to be harmonious and, and not just harmonious and things on the outside, but also to be harmonious, like inside, they want that internal peace. And so, you know, things like yoga, meditation, basically anything that promises to like Zen you out. Um, that's what, that's what nines are into. They're like, yeah, I want to know how to dissolve conflict. I want to know how to avoid conflict. I want to know how to keep the peace internally. Um, their attention is often kind of like diffused. Like it's, it, they have trouble like focusing on one point. Um, mostly because in this search for, you know, peace and harmony, they kind of lose themselves you know, in order to keep the peace, you okay. hear, you see that like meme that goes around is like, if you, you know, lose, if you lose yourself to keep the peace, you start a war with inside yourself. And that's kind of what happens for nines is that, um, you know, they kind of give up who they are and what they really want, um, in favor of keeping things smooth, like you know, smooth sailing and keeping things relaxed and peaceful. Um, and, eventually, you know, that works for a while, like all of our types. And then eventually, you know, nines wake up one day and they're like, who am I? What am I doing? Right. Uh, And there's this real kind of like shock point. Um, that's often, uh, it's often accompanied with a lot of anger and, you know, being in the body center with the eights, nines and ones, nines deal with anger, but they forget it because anger causes conflict, you know, or anger is, either a byproduct or a cause of, of most conflict. And so they just try to get it out of their, you know, get it out of their system. They just try to ignore it and mm. just pretend like it's not there. Um, 
but it's like a, you know, if you don't express something, it's going to stay there and it's going to continue to build up. And so it's somewhat of like a pressure cooker, you know, that a nine is just going to keep forgetting and forgetting and forgetting until one day they wake up. Um, I, I have a dear friend who's a nine who talked about when she kind of woke up, it was like she used her anger as a flamethrower. Like those are the words that she used. And I was like, <laughs> You're like okay. Damn, yeah. Yes. <laughs> So is it a lot of times with the nine, is it, um, out, is it the anger outwardly expressed when it's the pressure cooker or does it just like all of a sudden, is it inwardly or does it just depend kind it's of definitely like an outward explosion? Okay. Okay. And, and it takes, it takes people by surprise. Like nobody expects it. Like not even the nine. Right. Because that <laughs> they shock themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a shock to them when it comes out and it's really, it can be really difficult for them to deal with. Like sometimes these explosions happen when they're not really ready mm-hmm. to deal with the consequences of it. Um, and it's, you know, it can be really, um, it feels like a really threatening thing for yeah. nines. Um, you know, these are people who are super go with the flow, just, you know, whatever, like they're great at seeing both sides of an argument, you know, they're, you know, they're great mediators. And mm. I know a lot of nines who are wonderful therapists. Um, but, you know, in seeing both sides, they sometimes have trouble figuring out where they stand. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's like the work for the nine is like, yes, you, you understand and can see both sides so clearly and so compassionately, but we still need you to pick a side, mm. like in order for you to show up fully as you are you have to choose, like you have to make that decision. And and that's where, where nines really struggle. Um, but nines are very easy people to be around. Um, and when they really are doing their work and they really find themselves, they are some of the most motivated, um, and really some of the most successful people because they know how they're great leaders. Like they know how to bring everybody along. Um, and they know how to make people feel heard and seen, um, because they really do hear and see people on a deep level. Um, and it's really, it's such a beautiful thing. It's as like, you're going through all the numbers. It's just always such a reminder to me when I hear them, like, I am so grateful for a tool like the Enneagram. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I hear. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, as you're saying these, I'm remembering different people in my life and like, it just helps me feel so much more empathetic and less frustrated yeah. or whatever. It's like just to see the different sides, especially when you see these cer- certain people, like for instance, my mother's a one and she then, you know, like you were saying, they expect perfection because they have it so like warring inside of them. But again, sometimes I'll yeah. forget, I'll just see her and I'll go, Oh my God, I'm never enough. I'm never enough. And I forget that inside her, that there's this, this crazy battle that's going on. And yeah. I feel like the Enneagram is just such a great tool to use with people around you to just have that mass empathy. Um, now when it comes to the Enneagram, do you feel like that sometimes people, can use it in a way to like meet someone and like judge that, like assume a type for them. Oh, and yeah. then, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I mean, I think what's interesting, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying before, like the Enneagram is this tool to really, you know, open things up in mm-hmm. your relationships. It's like the, what's beautiful about it. Like, cause you see so many times people like, Oh, I'm going to type somebody else or somebody tells me their type and I'm just going to assume all these things about them. And, you know, that's where people are kind of using the Enneagram, 
to put people in boxes. Um, But I think what's so beautiful to know about the Enneagram is that you can develop this like deep compassion uh, and empathy for other people without knowing your type, without knowing their type, you know, like, because when you really engage in your own work and like, look at the ways that your patterns get in the way and the ways that like you are not read the way you want to. And like Mm -hmm. things don't work out like all of those situations because of these patterns that you have, you start to realize like, Oh, maybe, maybe that other person just, you know, is trying to do something and it's not working out. You know, like you, you gain so much more compassion by really engaging in your own stuff. And that's what I encourage people to do is like, it's fun to type other people. It's fun to talk about types and the things that they do. Um, but really the real work is in looking at yourself and learning how you can, learning how you can open yourself up to more and learning how you can accept yourself, be more compassionate with yourself. And then in turn, be more compassionate with the people around you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So like we're talking about all these different Enneagram numbers, learning about how many different and unique and beautiful types of personalities there are out there. Um, So many different forms and variations. And it's reminding me of our physical bodies as well. Uh, So many beautiful different shapes and sizes. And that includes breasts. So why in the world do so many bra retailers only carry a few sizes? Uh, Frankly, it's frustrating and non-inclusive. But hallelujah, there is a savior and it's called Third love. Uh, third love gets that all bodies and breasts are different, which is why they use data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. Actually, over 14 million now have taken their quiz, which is crazy. And third love doesn't just offer a few sizes, no. Third Love offers more than 80 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes, which is for me, and it is such a blessing, finally, a cup size, a half cup size that fits. Um, I've told you all before that Third Love bras changed my breast life and my confidence when I was feeling frustrated and down. They lifted me up. Literally, they lifted my breastfeeding breasts up to exactly where I needed them and wanted them in my heart to be. And it's hands down the most comfy bra I own. Um, I legit don't notice that it's ever on. And Third Love is so, so confident in their bras that every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, return it. Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash chatty now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash chatty for 15% off today. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's so funny because I, I'll find myself, especially right after I found out about the Enneagram, I, you know, as a four, I'm like, I think I have pretty good intuition. <laughs> so I'm like, you're a two, you're a seven. And people would be like, actually, I'm a six. I'd be like, nah, I think that you're actually like a one. And then I'm like, okay, girl, you got to slow your roll and you have to work on you. And to be completely honest, I found my number fairly easily um, because I'm very heavily a certain way. Um, but I did make that mistake right off the cuff of instead of using it for my, like on my own self work, I kind of turned it on other people. And I think just kind of like how you said your partner shoved the book under the, uh, the bed. I kind of mentally did that 
by <laughs> by just putting it all on everybody else and not really being able yeah. to um see myself but when I started to get more um, into my own number and get really self-reflective, um, it did sting to see yeah. who I truly was in certain ways. But at the same time, I saw solutions. Um, so do you mind talking for a minute for those who like found their number? Um, I know something for me that was really powerful were, were the numbers that you like turn to in stress versus like health. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind uh, talking about that for a moment? Yeah. So I take kind of a, a, a different approach than what a lot of people talk about. So, you know, the way that there are basically at any point in the Enneagram for those people who don't know, Mm -hmm. um, you're, there's a line going from your point to two other points. So there are two lines coming out from your point that connects you to these other spaces. Um, and those are called the arrows. And a lot of people for a long time thought that the arrows were like, kind of designated your path of growth like for an eight to really grow they need to look more like a two and if they look more like a five then they're really in trouble um Mm -hmm. and I think there's I think there can be some uh there can be some truth to that like the old language is integration and disintegration um but a lot of the big teachers now have kind of thrown that out um and my language that I use is vantage and refuge. So like, what do you look like when you feel kind of on top of the world, when you Mm -hmm. can kind of look out and you feel confident, um, you're going to move, you know, as an eight, when I feel really safe and really confident, I, I'm going to be a little bit more heart centered. I'm going to be a little bit more vulnerable with other people because I feel safe. Um, and then refuge is like, what energy do you need when, life is kind of taking it out of you. Like Mm -hmm. when, you know, it's taking too much and I take on a five energy. And so that means I kind of step back, I withdraw, I move a little bit more slowly. Mm. Um, and there are highs and lows to both of those. So like I could feel really safe and take on that two energy and then turn into kind of like a manipulative asshole. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Or I could take on that two energy and I could take on the really high and wonderful aspects of that and be really selfless and giving and, you know, like I can do all of those really great two things when I'm in a, you know, when life has taken a lot from me and I'm in my refuge space of five, um, I can use that in a negative way and I could, you know, get really emotionally detached and kind of turn into a recluse and not talk to anybody. Um, or I could use that as a way to slow down, pump the brakes, become a little bit more objective about whatever it is that I'm working on. Um, get really clear on the facts and then move forward, like re-engage after that. Um, okay. I love that positive, like language that, that definitely makes more sense to me. So you have access to, you know, both the high and the low side of that. And, um, and I think it's, you know, it's less about looking more like another type, like your growth is not about, you know, as a four, your growth isn't about looking more like a one. It's about, being more conscious when you're in that energy, like being more aware mm. of what's happening and choosing the higher aspects of it, choosing what's more appropriate for the situation. Um, and that's why like all my work is under conscious Enneagram. It's like, it's about 
being more aware of what's happening in the moment and not just running on autopilot all the time. Absolutely. Okay. That makes so much more sense. Cause I know for me personally, then my refuge number is a two. And when I first was hearing like stress, I go, well, sometimes I see that there is, that I can be in an unhealthy place where Mm -hmm. I go to maybe even, even twos in my life to like coddle me and be like, you're, you're perfect. (laughs) You don't have to ever change anything. You don't have to look inside or whatever. We'll just take care of you. But I'm like, but there are, have been moments absolutely in my life where I'm like, that benefited me so much having that place of refuge. So that language definitely, like I can see that that makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. Um, so for our listeners, are there, um, any like specific books or, um, programs that you would suggest? Um, well, I am super excited to announce this is actually, um, you don't even know this, but this is the first time on any podcast aside from my own that I get to announce that I actually just signed a book deal. And so I'll have a book coming out. Uh, it's going to come out on Fortress Press in 2021, which I'm super excited oh about. So a little bit of a wait, <laughs> but, um, worth it's going to be worth the wait. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Um, oh but my if you're goodness. looking for Can, resources, hold on. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Soak that I in. Wow. I'm super, super excited. excited. Okay. Well, yeah. definitely. We'll let all you listeners know when Abby's book is out. We'll yeah. sing you. it from the rooftops. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking for resources now, um, my website, conscious mm-hmm. has tons of information. You can also connect with me, uh, on Instagram. I do a lot of stuff there, but books that I love, um, there is a book called the modern Enneagram. And I think that is hands down the best, uh, intro. Like if you are just figuring out your type and just kind of dipping your toes in the water, um, the modern Enneagram is definitely what I point to. It is, um, it's, got really great kind of down to earth, um, like real world examples of types and what, what they look like and how they interact. Um, it's also really easy to read and it's really pretty. Like it's laid out very well. Um, I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. It's nice. Like it's a nice thing to read. Um, and I also, um, I have a resource list on my website, um, with a reading list. So there's the modern Enneagram and there are a few others that I really like. Um, and they're, they're all listed and linked down, um, on my resources page on my website. Um, I don't actually remember all of them in order uh, anymore. So I'll just say the modern Enneagram. And if you want more, go check out my website. Um, and then there are a few good podcasts. Um, obviously I have a podcast that, um, I think is great. (laughs) It's fantastic. Broads. Listen, I, I, that's, I don't even know. Honestly, I have no idea how I even stumbled upon your Instagram somehow. I think it was like I looked at like a hashtag Enneagram thing and I all of a sudden found yours and I'm like, oh my God. And then I listened to the podcast. I'm like, who is this person? It just spoke straight to my heart. So broads, conscious construction. fantastic podcast we'll link all of that in our show notes um yeah but i love the the different people that you talk to and the different perspectives um and conversations you have um not just all enneagram focus but also just yeah life issue i think it's helpful to like hear people who really know their type Mm -hmm. um talk about things in their life that aren't their type you know like just talk about life in general and I come from the narrative tradition um, of Enneagram work. And basically, Can you explain that? It's, yes. Okay. So in the Enneagram world, there are um, 
there are kind of like two main schools. There's the Enneagram Institute, which, you know, we call East Coast Enneagram because they're based in New York. And then there's the Narrative Enneagram that's okay. based in California. Uh, I guess technically their headquarters are in Boulder, but they do a lot of trainings um, in Menlo Park. So okay. in the San Francisco area. Um, and that's kind of like West Coast Enneagram. Um, and so I trained with the narrative tradition. And essentially what we really focus on is like the best way to learn about a type is to hear someone of that type explain it themselves like mm -hmm. kind of like go to the source and hear the stories that people tell so in that you know, kind of in that vein we do things called panels and so like I'll get five or three or four sixes you know on on a panel and I'll ask them all the same questions and you know they'll get to talk about their life and then you get to hear like oh that's what a six is like you, you can see all the difference and all the nuance available, but then you see the threads that run through. And so I think it's, it can be really helpful if you're struggling to find your type to like, listen to people who know their type talk and see who you resonate with. And so my podcast obviously has a lot of that. We have yeah. panels, we have teaching episodes, we have, um, you know, uh, uh, interviews of all sorts of people from all different walks of life. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'd love it. I'd love to have some of you guys over on my podcast, listening and seeing what you think. Absolutely. Yeah. Broads, you heard it. Go check it out. The conscious, conscious construction with Abby Robbins and, um, show it some love and check it out because it is absolutely helpful. Um, and then anything else you want to plug? Oh, I mean, I mean, the book thing is really just what I'm most excited about right now. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just going to sit in that for another moment. Like, yeah, hey. enjoy the bliss. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, sign up for my email list on my website so you can find out more about all that stuff. But again, I do a lot of work on uh, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff, you know. Um, but I do. I love hearing from people. So um, if this stuff is helpful, like, let me know. If it's not, maybe I can help you more. Um, I do do private coaching and typing interviews. So um, if you know your type and you're ready to kind of take the next step, um, I'd love to help you with that. And if you can't figure out your type, I can also help you with that. So again, all of that stuff is on my website too. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to bug you to come back so we can get okay. into some more specific things. Yes, there's so much to <laughs> talk about. It's endless, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. We so appreciate it. Yeah. And um, Broads, we hope you enjoy your fine you finally got your Enneagram episode and we're yeah. gonna talk about it more. And don't you worry, we'll be posting some Instagram posts because I wanna hear what all of our listeners' numbers are if you know. And if not, right. start being getting to dive into that because it is so helpful. Um, but we love you and there will be an episode dropping, uh, this following Tuesday and Becca will be back and it's going to be a good guest. So stay tuned. Chat soon broads. This message comes from NPR sponsor Grammarly. Get to the point faster and accomplish more with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. And when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium, get 20% off for being an NPR listener. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcasts.